Hello and welcome back to another episode of She Invest uh, podcast. I am your host, Allie Fugit. And I'm your host, Carrie Douglas. And we are She Invest. And today we have a very special guest. We are super excited about this interview because uh, in our previous interviews, we have done everybody from the same side that Carrie and I um, are on the investing relationship on. So um, you guys have seen like from us, like talking about finding the deals, going through, trying to source funding um, and, you know, all the ins and outs of, of the side of the deal for the investors that are that are, um, you know, maybe not even putting the capital in. So today we have a very special guest on uh, and I'm going to let Carrie introduce her, but she's going to give us some insight on the other side of investing. And um, so we're very excited because this is very eye opening and can be great for information on um, how you can better, uh, you know, show yourself to investors. And so, yeah, so let's, without further ado, let's jump into it. Yes. So today we will be welcoming Victoria Pryor. Um, she is semi-retired from corporate America as of 2016. She's held various accounting and finance positions. Her background in accounting has helped her analyze potential opportunities in the real estate arena. Several years ago, she started private money lending, which also led her to invest in apartments, self-storage facilities, office buildings, hotels, resorts, and various other businesses. She currently lives in the Dallas, Texas area, but loves traveling to other parts of the U.S. and the world. She's a CPA slash CIA and has a Master's of International Management degree from Thunderbird. So welcome, Victoria. We're so excited to have you. And I can't wait to dive into some of these questions with you. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yes. Welcome. All right. Well, um, Victoria, one of the first questions we'd love to ask you is currently how many investment properties or doors do you currently have? Um, and because we know you have a diversified portfolio. So, um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I currently am all over the board. I right now I'm in about 20 different apartment deals. And quite frankly, I used to track how many doors that was. <laughs> and I just I stopped because then when I started investing in self storage, it's like, well, do I add those doors or not? Because it's a little bit different. So I, I just I'm in about 20 different apartment deals. And most of the deals are you know, at least a hundred units. Okay. And I think the most, there's a two apartment deal, which is 537. So it's, I don't even know how many doors that is quite frankly. Yeah. So then, you, so you are a partial investor along on, alongside other investors on those? Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. I, everything is a mixed bag with me. I, there are many, I would say the majority of the apartment deals that I'm in, I am a limited partner where I'm a passive investor, but there are a couple where I'm either a KP or a co-GP. Okay. So that that's just a handful. And I've gone full cycle on a couple of those. So. Awesome. And then with a variety. Yep. Yeah, it is. It, it's helping me see the, the entire picture. Mm-hmm. And then with regard to self-storage, I think there's only one deal where I'm only a limited partner. All the other ones, I'm a general partner in some way. I am, um, you know, I'm, maybe I raise money, raise capital for the deal. 
I co-sign on loans, I, um, I provided the earnest money or a combination of one, two, or three of the above. Right. And some of those, actually, I won't, I won't um, like tout a deal unless I invest in it myself. So, okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. That's so cool. Um, I always love hearing about all the different things you have going on, Victoria, because you're, you're just kind of like, whatever makes money makes sense. Right. And That's like, right. and, and so I just, I love it. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how, like investing in these different deals, how has investing in real estate in general impacted your life? For me, it's it's been a very positive impact. And it's more from a personal side because I, I mean, I, when I graduated from college, I went straight into corporate America and I was, I, I got, I don't know, railroaded. I don't know what the right word is into that mindset of corporate America is the end all be all. And, you know, I knew some people who weren't into business for themselves, but I just, it was one or the other. It was never both. And then when I did just start investing in real estate, at first it was just a side gig, like a hobby. But then as it started growing, I thought, you know what? I knew I knew the company I worked for, I knew it's there's, the day would come where either it would be their decision or my decision to leave. And um, so I started thinking more about growing the real estate business to replace my W-2 job. And as soon as that light bulb went off, that that was the direction I was going to go, I was no longer tied to that W-2 corporate America mindset. And that was very freeing because I would do what I wanted to do and the successes that I earned, I earned them. I didn't have somebody tell me, oh, well, you know, yeah, you did 90% right, but oh, gee, this 10% you did wrong. Because that's what I realized about one thing I really didn't like about corporate America, you could be great at your job, but they would always find something wrong that, you know, it was an area of improvement. It's like, well, that's not an area that interested me that I wanted to do. So why are you dinging me for something that, you know, didn't, wasn't important to me? Yeah. So that that's another reason why moving to real estate where it became all my decision and they were all my successes, but they were also my failures. So it was meant, it, it was mentally freeing. And I, I can't think of a better word to break free of the old, old school mindsets and just grow as much as I want to grow and succeed as much as I want to succeed. So I hope I explained that well, but it was, it was a big, it, when I, and um, Carrie mentioned me being semi-retired, I actually, several years ago, after I invested all my money and I needed more money and I needed a loan and nobody would give me a loan because I didn't have a W-2 job, I did go back to work and just going to work and I, I just chose the first thing and it wasn't a good decision, but going into work thinking, you know what, I don't need this job. 
I don't need you other than the W-2 income, but I got the loan so I could leave. <laughs> right, right. So after I did that, I mean, it's just, it is the gaining confidence in myself, my abilities, um, meeting different people. It's just opened up a whole new world and it has really helped me grow as a person. So, yeah. yeah. And how, how, how freeing to not feel like you have the handcuffs of that, that you're required to be exactly. there every day. Like you exactly. can pull into the parking lot and choose whether to go inside. There you go. Yeah. That's exactly That's exactly. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's just like that freedom of choice, right? Like you finally get the freedom of choice to live the life that you want to live. And right. like, that's, that's amazing. Um, and I do Victoria, I, I, because we, I do know a little bit more about you. Um, you invest a lot with your family too. So, and I honestly, like, I love, I love that about you and about the way that you guys do things that um, you have a group of like-minded people that are also family around you, right? That are also investors and, and do this. So can you speak to how, like, has that added to your growth in this type of profession? Or um, do you think that's made a difference on the way that you invest? Can you speak to that a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah, first of all, my family is my brother and sister and my sister had not yet come over to this dark side yet. So over the last, I would say five years, she's been slowly coming in. And I think now she, she totally gets it. I think, I think maybe before she maybe didn't understand what I was talking about, but now it's like, oh, and now she'll call me. And I'm thinking she's calling me about doing a deal with this or this because of the depreciation or not I'm like, Oh, I, I converted her. <laughs> yeah. So um, that that's been very, I'm, I'm glad for that. And I'm glad for her, but yeah, she has helped me a lot and I've brought her in as a partner to Lone Wolf Lending. And um, I appreciate all that she has done to help me and just having somebody else to bounce some ideas and situations off of. Now, my brother, he's been doing real estate um, for about just over 10 years, but the real estate activities that he's been involved in are different than me. And, you know, he does the land development and he would um, buy properties down in Austin, you know, 13 years ago. Um, they would buy an old house on a lot, raise it, and re rebuild like a nice duplex or whatever and resell it. So other than investing with him, that's not something that I've done on my personal journey other than invest with him. So even though we're all doing real estate, it's all a little bit different, but it is good because you get a different perspective because yeah. I'm not right 100% of the time or sometimes I'm stuck on a problem and my sister will make a comment that's like, now, why didn't I think about that? Because I should have thought about that, but I'm so glad that she picked it up to do that. So yeah. I am, I'm very grateful to have both of them because sometimes yeah. too, if I do a private money loan and let's say I'm short, maybe $20,000, get on the phone, Jennifer, do you have $20,000 you can loan me? <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. But it's also nice that you have somebody to like conversate with because yes. A lot of times, like, and we've had this conversation a lot on the show that um, this can be a very lonely it journey. Is. Exactly. Um, and, 
unless you have someone that's willing to have conversations because like we've spoke about, it's not a great topic at dinner. Um, and it's not a great topic at the park with your kids, but to have family that you can actually sit down and, and it, they are in it. So they enjoy the conversation. It yes. does make it less lonely. That's so. absolutely. And you know, when I first started investing in real estate, like 20 years ago, I was doing it with my father, but then I was getting all these different ideas and I would go to, like, I have a girlfriend who's a single mother of two. And I would say to her, you should, buy, while you're employed, you should employ, um, you should go and buy like a, a condo and rent it out. And I said, by the time your kids are in college, you know, 15 years from now, that rental income can help defray their cost of college. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, and I, I said this to a, a, a guy friend of mine who had two kids, but he was married, two kids. I said the same thing. He's like, oh, no, no, you know. And I would I would put out feelers to people about real estate investing, and I would test the waters. And I would say 99% of the time I was met with a cold, no way. <laughs> so, yeah, it is very exciting to talk to like-minded people who love real estate as much as I do. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's, that it is. It that's is. why we're here. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad yeah. to be here too. Because we needed yeah. an outlet for that as well. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's what's exciting about going to different conferences and things is that I can sit there and talk to people and my family, my friends, people who have only met me once or twice, they said I become a different person when I start talking about real estate. And they always use the same words that I light up but I can't help it. Yeah. And I realize that we're on a time crunch and you need to cut me off. It won't, it oh, won't okay. hurt my feelings because I get so no. excited about this. It's a topic I love. So I, I could talk all day. <laughs> no, we love it. No, we, we would not cut you off. Um, I love that too, because it's the same. I think like Carrie and I've talked about, like we, we just got back from a, a small conference with a group that we were in in Boston. And it's like, it's like a little family reunion when you all get into the room and like we could literally sit and talk to each other for hours about, you know, uh, about everything we have going on, running things by each other and and just life in general. But um, yeah, saying we, we light up when we talk about it and we get so excited about the different ways you can structure deals and the different ways that you, you know, like just like what you're talking about. I've tried presenting things to other people and they're like, no. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. So I get it. Get well, it. I'm excited uh, to ask you um, a little bit about what you look for. So um, as investors, we typically have a buy box, like the criteria for what type of deal we're looking to buy. And so you, as someone who's, you know, doing private money lending or investing on the other side, you probably have some criteria as well for what you're looking for in either the project or in the person who's, who's running that project. So can you tell us a little bit about your buy box, if you will, like what you would look for? Well, the first thing I do is I look for, look at the location. Um, there are specific locations I definitely won't and will never invest in. Okay because I don't think like those states are investor friendly. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's, so that's one thing. And, you know, somebody might bring me a deal like 
in a state that I would never have considered. But I look, I start thinking about the state. You know, I always look at it as if, if I needed to take that deal over, if I needed to oust the GP for whatever reason, could I go in and take over that deal? And could I believe in it where I could um, turn it around and make it successful if it weren't? So that's that's kind of, I guess, the question in the back of my mind. So the first thing is location. And then after that, I look at the who who's putting the deal together because there are people who have been in the business for years, but just because they're in the business doesn't necessarily mean that they're really successful at it. And so I try and do a little bit of research on the person and I talk to the person and I, I ask them questions about the property, about what they want to do. And I can kind of tell just by the way that they answer questions if they know what they're talking about or not. And then I, of course, I also ask them how many other deals similar to this have they done? Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, the other thing too is like, especially here, I'm in the Dallas area and everybody and their mother seems to be in the Dallas area and everybody is touting the same deal where, oh, we're buying for this much per door and the return is going to be 8%. Well, they always present the best case scenario. And if it's 8%, uh, does that really mean it's a 5%? And then I think, well, if I'm, if I invest this much money with you and I'm maybe going to get 5%, why won't I do a private money deal and get 12 or more percent? So I won. I, it depends on so many different things. And the people are a big part of it in addition to the location. So, and it's also partly a gut feel. If I think that this is going to be a good deal or not, I just, it's a gut feel, gut instinct reaction as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so if you were to give advice to someone who is going to be looking for private money for a project or a deal. What advice would you have to that person? If it's the GP or, or whatever it is, you know, what, what advice would you have for them? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I would say is private money is not cheap. And if you're serious about wanting me to loan you money, you have to be prepared to lose that property because I'm going to come after you if you don't pay. <laughs> and, um, and I have a very good attorney behind me that where I can say that with confidence. Um, so I would say that, you know, it's, it's not cheap and you have to be prepared to lose the property if something goes wrong. Um, so you you as the person asking for money, you have to have confidence in yourself, but also you have to convey that you have confidence to me. You have to convince me that you can do, like if, you're, if you need the money for a fix and flip of a house, tell me why that I should believe you that you can do this within, you know, get the, work done within four months and sell it within two more months after that. So six months, tell me, 
why I should believe you. Because I, I've had people with no experience that are getting into real estate and coming to me for money for their very first deal. It's like, why do you think I would loan you like $150,000 or $200,000 to do this? Because if I said to you, you know, what do you need to do to rehab this house? And if you, if you can't answer that question, you know, it, I mean, obviously I'm not going to do it. Right. You know, so I would say that just, I would say before you go to somebody with, to ask for private money, I would say somehow do a flip or two or do some business on your own so that when you go to these people, um, you have a proven track record. Yes. Because you can also go to hard money lenders and they will, they'll loan you the money, but they can be not very nice people. So you have to be prepared to deal with that. So. But I think there's a little bit of that, like, just like what you said, like if somebody can go out and do it on their own, it shows that they're also willing to lose and fail on their own first. And I think that everybody, when they're starting out, like you have got to be open to that failure, right? And be yes. open to put your own money, your own time, everything on the line and take that risk. Yes. Um, Skin in the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and you got to be able to do that a couple of times before you can like really develop a really good relationship with somebody like yourself, Victoria, that like may not know you and, and that you can have that track record. But what about um, what about advice for people that are maybe doing this that like in terms of communication, what do you look for in terms of communication on deals and um, the that, way that, you know, updates, things like that? That is my big my number one. It's a pet peeve if there is no communication. I, you know, I, I was just having a conversation with somebody last night, uh, somebody I, I loan money to and he's paying me back next week on on Monday. And I, I actually said to him, I love working with him because he is so good at communicating. I said, I've got this, these other clients and I've been lending to them for five years. I don't even know how many deals I've done with them, but July, they didn't make their payment. And I'm calling them, I'm texting them, I'm emailing them, I'm going to them on Facebook. What's the deal? You know, as far as I know, they've left the country with my money. I don't know. That's where my my mind goes when you don't let me know. If you're just saying, you know, I'm waiting for this payment to come in before I can pay you. That's all I need to know. You know. So I imagine you'd like to know before the payment's late if there's yeah. like there might be an issue. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, because there are people that pay on the first. There are people who pay on the sixth, even though it's due on the fifth. You know. So I try and you you kind of learn people's habits, mm -hmm. especially the repeat people. And um, I, the, the, and the, the thing I said last night to this guy was when I was in corporate America, nobody, nobody liked getting up and say, hey, I made a mistake. I, I made a mistake in this spreadsheet. I, I forgot to file something. Nobody likes doing that. But I think it takes a bigger person to go up and say, guess what? I, I made a mistake. I, you know, this didn't, my payment's going to be late. Here's the reason. 
but here's the plan of action. And I think the people hearing on the receiving side of that communication, they're like, oh, okay, I'm good with that. They're not going to like, what are they going to do? If they're a professional, they're going to say, okay, I appreciate you telling me. I see the plan of action. Let's go from here. But when you when you don't communicate, when you try and hide it, that's the part that just drives me nuts. And the, these people that are continuously paying late and the ones that didn't communicate, you know, I every month or, well, not every month, but every time they bring me a new deal, I seriously think to myself, do I want to do that? Should I give them one, one more chance? Or should I just work with somebody who is better at communicating, more responsible, more, um, I don't know, easier to work with? That's, that's me. But yeah, communication is my number one thing. Well, and I'm sure there's a pride piece, right? Like, like you said, nobody wants to admit when they're having a difficult time, but I think that when they can, it shows integrity, right? Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke, we spoke about it before, but, um, the, I mean, we, we've spoken a lot, Victoria, and, um, we have, you know, worked together some and, and, uh, that's a big key for us too, because we never want to feel like we're hiding anything. Um, and so we've not, I don't think it's on a deal that we worked with with you, but a deal we worked with a different investor, like something came up and I spoke about it on our previous episode that, um, you know, we're going through, like, we, we had a hard money lender on there as well as another investor and the hard money lender, just as you described is hard to work with. And, um, they cannot be very nice. And like, currently we're going through something where they, illegally foreclosed on the property, which has caused a whole, you know, now we have legality issues against them. Now we having problems with the listing. And, um, but on our side of that, it was like, okay, like once we collected the information, it was like, we had to be the bigger people and we had to contact our investors and we had to have that conversation. Yep. And our investors were so receiving of that information. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you being honest. We appreciate yep. you being open. Um, we gave them, just like you said, the plan of action of this is where we need to go. And this is our plan to get your money back. Because like, like we said before, like we'll go flip burgers to like repay you your money before we, you know, get any money out of a deal before ourselves, because your money is more important and that relationship is more important to us mm -hmm. than anything else. So um, I think that on our side too, when we're looking for an investor that's just like you, that, that is going to be understanding and receiving that information um, of if we're open and honest with what we're going through and that you're going to be willing to work with us to obviously maintain the relationship and maintain the deal. So um, I love that communication is top priority of yours as well. Yes. Um, so, so leading in Victoria, um, this is one of Carrie's favorite questions. Um, you know, you've got a lot of investment opportunities, a, a lot of, um, you know, diversified opportunities that you're working on. Um, so how often do you look at and track your personal financial statement? Well, um, on a couple of the apartment, on the bigger apartment deals and most of the self-storage deals that I'm invested on, I have signed on the loan, 
Mm-hmm. So the bank, the different banks require that I provide financial statements periodically throughout the year. So it seems like I'm at least updating it quarterly, but because of the, I guess the timing of the different loans, it seems like it's more often than that. So I do try and update it every month and probably when I go two months, that's probably a long time between updating it. Um, And that's mostly because of the requirements from the bank. But also if I, next week, actually I'm supposed to have three actually loans pay back. So when that, because those are three big events happening in the same time, after I receive the third loan payback, I'll probably go and refresh my um, personal financial statement then because big amounts of money, I don't want them sitting out there thinking that it's still out there when I actually have the cash in the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, what metrics do you, are you tracking and what are your goals in that, in those specific areas that you're tracking? Well, I do, <clears throat> I do keep a spreadsheet on each investment and how much dividends they pay either monthly, quarterly, however, often they pay it. And then I go back and I look at the, like the, 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 the OM or the, the documents that they originally presented saying, oh, we're going to do a, I don't know, 12% return. And if it's really only maybe 4%, then I'm, you know, then I have a phone conversation with that person saying, you know, what's going on because getting back to the communication thing, when things don't go right, people tend to be quiet so I do try and call them and ask them what's going on. Um, you know, why do you think we haven't meet these, the goals that we had set in the beginning? Um, so I do look at that. I look at it, you know, on an annual basis. So it's kind of comparing apples to apples. Um, and then the same thing with properties where there is no distribution. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I have that same conversation. What's going on? Do you think we'll get one? Why? And if they don't have a plan, I said, you know, you should just sell it, mm-hmm. you know, cut it, everybody's losses now and, and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that you're probably the first person we've got on that uh, actually update like so often. So that's very cool. And I, I love that. And I really like Carrie and I have spoke, like we should update ours way more than what we do, but it's currently been at like, Usually purchases, right? Like purchases. Or one, that's when I update it, right? I wish I did it a, yeah. a bit more often. But I mean, the whole, yeah, we're not here to just talk about like doing deals to do deals. Like everybody has a goal, right? Is it a net worth goal? Is it a monthly income goal? It's like, what is it, right? And so if we're, if we're not paying attention to how we're making progress, we don't know right. if it's successful, right? So it's great that you're on top of that so frequently. Good for you. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to get to one of the questions that we ask everyone, Victoria. And I know we spoke a little bit about this um, before the episode began. But um, along this journey, because uh, you've been doing this, like you said, for over 20 years, um, what do you think the most exciting thing that you've done in your investing journey has been? 
this was a really difficult question, and I had actually a couple of different things came to mind. One thing was just going, taking the step to create my company was a big um, step for me. And that was kind of, but that's a personal thing. It's something that I never thought I would ever do. And I'm, when I did it, it's like, oh, well, I'm glad I did it. I should have done it long ago. But um, I would say, I mean, that's kind of like not so exciting for most people. No, don't downplay that. That's, that's awesome. Especially, especially as a woman investor, that is a very big LP a GP. Okay. That's massive. So don't not downplay that. That's, that's huge. But the other thing I, I thought about this a lot and, but the other thing I thought was what was really exciting, but was equally, if not more scary at the same time was making my first loan that was well over a million dollars. Wow. And I remember sitting at the bank going, Oh, because I had to call the bank a couple of days before and I said, I'm, I want to give you a heads up that I'm sending a wire that's for this much money. And the response was, oh, okay. And then they're like, oh, we have to get all these properly people signed or lined up so that they can approve it. So that was, that was pretty exciting. But like I said, it was equally scary? No, more scary. Pardon me? Did you get paid back? Did it go okay? It went all right. Um, we What we did was we actually structured that one a little bit differently where it was paid back in different chunks. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm happy. Good. So That's awesome. Good. I can't imagine. That's like, that kind of makes my gut kind of turn a little bit that you're going like, why are I not much money at one time? Because also I, I would not even have thought to probably... I guess I'm just so used to like not being in those bigger figures that I probably wouldn't have even thought to like call the bank and be like, Hey, by the way, I'm going to come in and wire this. You know what I mean? Like I probably would have just shown up and be like, I need to send some money and I'm not really sure if I'm allowed to do it at this point kind of thing. So that's like, just like thinking through that, that I can, I would have been nervous as well too, but that is kind of exciting. It What a big deal that, as, I'm assuming maybe the largest deal you've done by yourself. Yes. And that's that was amazing. the first one? No, that was not. No, 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 no. That was, okay. that's the first one that was over that threshold. Yes. Okay, yes. got it. I was like, no. I thought you would have started a little smaller. That makes sense. <laughs> no. Wow. No. Did, you, did you ever think, looking back on, like, where you started in corporate America, that you would ever be in the position that you were in that day to no. do that? No, never in my wildest dreams. And I want to say something else that you just, you said something that just made me think of this. Kind of getting back to corporate America. I, I was making six figures in corporate America and I, the job that I had had a bonus structure where I would make a 20% bonus. But again, the bonus amount that was allocated to me it depended on how the department did, how I did as a person, whatnot. But hypothetically, let's say I was making $100,000 and my bonus was $20,000. If I worked hard all year long and everybody in my department hit all their objectives, and so I qualified for the 20% or $20,000 bonus, 
you know, I, I was at that point several times in my career. And I was like, oh, I made, you know, my 20% bonus. Now, that, if I make that, if I make $20,000 in a deal, unless I put in $40,000 and that's a 50% return, you know, to me, it's just like, I can do that. It's nothing. You can do it in your sleep now, right? Pardon me? You can do it in your sleep now. Well, yeah. It's like, I don't have to wait one time a year to get that bonus. I can do that every deal I do, or Mm -hmm. I can do better with that every deal I do. And I do more than one deal a year. So I should have, I mean, there were reasons why I stayed in corporate America, but if I would have known then what I would have known now, I, I just, I probably would have left a long time ago. And so, but how do you explain that to someone, you know, like when you are conditioned coming out of college and you're conditioned to even before that, right. You're conditioned, you come out of school, got to go to college and then you're conditioned through college, got to get out of college, got to get a job. And then Mm -hmm. you're conditioned in your job to make the company perform well. Mm-hmm. How do you break that conditioning on a lot of people? How do you have that conversation? And with that exact, exactly how you laid it out, like that's the best way and the most simplest way that you could lay it out, right? Is that I, we can do that multiple times over by continually investing, but it just takes somebody willing to take that risk and, and go after that. And it's a hard mentality mm-hmm. to break. But once you break it, it does open up and and give you that freedom to live the life you want to live without restraints on, you know, who you're working for or, you know, you're you're no longer working for the company to make them better. You are now working for yourself, for your family, and you are creating wealth that goes beyond you at that point. Right. And it's not wealth that's adding to a corporate fund. So. What I would say to those people who may not understand it is just ask them a question. How many people do you know who have been laid off or fired from a corporate job for one reason or another? You know, they're, they, they decide to move their headquarters somewhere else or they're downsizing or whatever it may be. It's like, so you, if you want to have your destiny, your life at somebody else's hands, who they don't care about you as a person. You're just a, I call it a butt in a chair. Um, you know, that, that make that your decision. Or if you want to take control and probably grow faster, stronger, bigger by yourself, you know, you make the decision rather than have it be somebody else's decision. Yeah. And maybe they'll understand that because you know, maybe their parent, if they're young, maybe their parent got laid off when they're 45 or 50. And it's so hard to find a new job when you, when you're achieve a certain age, you know, maybe it's a brother or sister that maybe they're just not happy in corporate America. Well, and and I have a friend who talks about this a little bit. And he said, like, I stayed with corporate America because of the security but it was a fallacy because at a moment's notice, that's right. It was gone. They are absolutely correct. Yeah. Yes. That's and, a great way to put it. And that's exactly why I got into real estate, you know, 20 years ago, because 20 years ago, the company I worked for was threatening all these layoffs. And I thought, okay. And I, I kind of knew I was a little, 
I was secure because I, I knew I did well in my job, but there were my friends, they got the pink slip and they're like, what am I going to do? And like from a Thursday, they always know the company always notified us on a Thursday from Thursday to Friday. They're like, what am I going to do? Like, they were like, Oh, my whole world is upside down. And I thought, I don't, I don't want to be that person where the rug is pulled out from under me. I want to start building my plan now. So I started buying real estate. I just would buy one or two properties thinking I was, Oh, I was doing great with one or two properties. And then, then I thought, you know what, I really need to kind of ramp this up where my day job is a lot less and my, my hobby of real estate is a lot more. And then when that light bulb switched and I started going the other way and I realized I could do more by depending upon myself, then your, your whole world changes, your whole outlook on everything changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and making the transition out from, again, like, for my husband and I, we both left our W-2 jobs and we do this full time now. That was just exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, but combating the, you don't have a 401k, combating the, you don't have security and all of that. But it was that mentality shift that we, that we had to do, even if, if no one else, you know, that's behind us, even though they are, they're supporting us and they don't understand, even if they don't understand it, you know, moving forward, it was... <laughs> For us to be able to break that mentality and go forward. And now our retirement plan looks like property. It, our retirement plan to us looks like a broken down house that we're going to go in and flip, right? That mm-hmm. smells like money and it smells mm-hmm. like wealth to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's what we like. We like to tell people, but, um, but yeah, so we want to be respectful of your time, Victoria. Um, so we do have one more question that we uh, do want to ask you just so that uh, people can find you and connect with you. Um, but before that, Carrie, did you have any last questions? No, I loved chatting with you. And thank you so much yeah. for all of your insight. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It was fun. Absolutely. We we're so grateful for you, Victoria. And this has been so eye opening from, you know, from your side of the investment. And we do hope to have you back on and maybe we can discuss some future, you know, things you're working on and maybe how you've diversified even more. So how can people connect with you? Um, through social media or other platforms? Well, um, basically, I'm on LinkedIn. I think everybody's on LinkedIn. Or just send me an email. It's Lone Wolf Lending. And I, I'm at yahoo.com. I tried Gmail. I didn't like it. And it's L O A N Wolf, not. Yes, Lone Wolf, L O A N Wolf Lending at yahoo.com. So, yeah, we're just. And we'll uh, be sure to put that in the show notes as well. Okay. Well, I appreciate you having me. It was fun. It was, um, I enjoyed meeting you, meeting you virtually, yeah, Carrie. So nice and, to meet you. Uh, one of these days we'll meet in person. I hope so. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you. Bye. Yes. Bye.